Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Hey, and once again, I just want to tell you good morning. I'm super glad that you uh, are with us this morning. Hey, if you're still here and you're loved worship, why don't you just keep on giving thumbs up so that we know that you're uh, in the, in, uh, I wanted to say in the house, but that's not right because that would be here, but uh, still on the webs, but that's okay. Hey, uh, we've been in a uh, sermon series uh, called Reunion and Redemption through the life of Joseph, and we're on week four this week, and we're kind of looking at, uh, hey, now that Joseph's been in jail and he's uh, kind of going through uh, some other things in his life, he uh, has been there for now for two years, and he's about ready to uh, see a little bit of redemption in his life, but before we get into that, hey, I want to remind you the definition that we've got running with reunion, and that definition of this is that reunion is the act or process of being brought together again as a unified whole. Something that once was broken is now together, something that uh, was not unified is now unified together the idea or the definition of redemption is it's the act of saving or being saved from sin, from error, or from evil. And we want to look at that. We want to look at our own hearts and go, hey, we need to be saved. We have a need to be reunited with Jesus and the, or reunited with God, but the only way is to have redemption through Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at the life of Joseph, and uh, today's no different. If you have your Bibles, let's flip open to Genesis chapter 41 this morning, Genesis chapter 41. And we're not going to uh, be reading the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of tell you the story, but I'm going to get to the point where we're going to be looking at Genesis uh, 41, specifically 33 through 39. Because here's what happens, is Joseph is now in jail for two more years, and so we don't know how long that's been, that's a, quite a time, I, I would say close to somewhere around four years, but we don't know that, but he's been in jail doing really well, and uh, he, he now finds himself going, I, I guess I'm at your mercy, Lord, just whatever is going to happen, and so what happens is this Pharaoh has a dream. And he actually has uh, two dreams back to back. And the first dream is that, uh, hey, he is uh, got these stalks of wheat, and they're good, and they're healthy, and they're just vibrant. And, and right next to them comes these scrawny-looking heads of wheat, and they're just horrible. And they end up eating the good, healthy stalks of wheat. And then it goes on to say that there are seven cows sitting, well, there's seven stalks of wheat, but now we come to seven cows drinking by the Nile, and they're healthy, and they're fat, and they just look really good, and, and out of the Nile comes seven scrawny-looking cows, horrible, emaciated, and not doing well at all, and we see in the dream that those seven cows eat the other seven cows. And so Pharaoh wakes up incredibly disturbed, and he's like, this has to be a dream, and I need it to be interpreted. So he goes to his magicians, and he goes to everybody to be able to solve it, and they have nothing for him. 
I, we don't know what it means. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just a nightmare. But then the cupbearer, remember last week we talked about the cupbearer who uh, Joseph answered a dream for him about him being able to come back to his position and serve the king. And the cupbearer remembers, hey, there's this guy down in prison and he was able to answer dreams, tell you the interpretation of them. And so Pharaoh goes and says, hey, let's get this guy up here so he can be able to interpret these dreams. And so Joseph comes to him and, uh, and the king says, hey, here's my dream. And Joseph goes, oh, that's, that's really simple. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have seven years of more, more abundance than you've ever had before. But at the end of those seven years, you're going to have seven years of horrible drought and famine. And because God has given you this dream back to back, it means that it's going to happen very soon. And this is where we pick up in verse 33 through 39. Joseph says this, and so he says, Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint survivors, supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are, that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouse. Store it away and guard it so that there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, the famine will destroy the land. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the, mean, the meaning of the dreams to you, Clearly, no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. And the rest of the story goes on that Pharaoh sets him in charge of the whole entire land of Egypt. In fact, actually, Joseph is second in charge of the whole entire land in terms of what's going to be happening here. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we are so in need of you right now. God, I know that we might be looking at this piece of scripture going, what does this have to do with what we're going through? God, your word is living and active and it has everything to do with what we're going through right now. We find answers in your word, we find answers in being with you. We, uh, we are reunited with you as we seek your will. And through your son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for us, we have access to, to understand. We have access to hear from you. We have your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And this morning, as we open up your word, Lord, I pray that that is what we would do, that we would open up our hearts as well and go, God, fill us with your love and your mercy and your truth and your grace upon our lives. Lord, we thank you for being our God. May we trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
It goes on, the rest of the story says that, hey, he keeps on getting all the grain and bringing them into the storehouses. In fact, actually, the rest of the story says that, man, it looks like there is just a whole ocean of like sand as much grain as he has. And so finally, man, he's just, okay, here we go. We're we're, going to hit into this. Can you imagine, though, what the Egyptians were saying and thinking during the seven years of good times and what they were saying and doing in the seven years of drought and famine? I mean, it's kind of actually kind of like what we would be saying today when we maybe get locked up into our homes or don't know how long this is going to last. But here's what I think that they would be saying in some of these good times. See, the government, they're just trying to keep the man down. They're just trying to get more for themselves and leaving us destitute. This is just a conspiracy, some of them would say. Nothing's going to happen. They're just trying to frighten us. Some would say during that time, death and taxes are inevitable. They are killing me with these taxes. Don't we have enough grain? Don't you see all of that? That's plenty for what needs to get us through. I'm not trusting them. I'm going to trust myself right now. Who is this Joseph dude anyway? How do we know he's really interpreting the dreams correctly? And I'm just going to let you know that many of those are from what I've talked to people about lately. What about the response in the seven years of bad times? Some people would say, see, aren't we awesome? We saved for this and now we can hoard for ourselves. Some people would say, is this ever going to end? Others would say, hey, I really need, but you need to give me more than what you're giving me. That's not enough. Give me more grain for what, I, for what I'm doing. Others would look at uh, other people and go, you don't need all of that. Stop hoarding. I have greater need than you. I have money, and so my money is going to get me where I need to go. Others, in the face of having to change how their daily life would go, they would say in this moment, change, that's not the way that I do things. I do things like I used to. And see, the thing is, is whatever we're going through, one of the things that's obviously going through people's mind over and over again as I talk to them is, we'll never do things the same. Some of you might be sitting at home listening to this right now going, hey, it was different though. Joseph knew what was coming. But if we're looking at reunion and redemption, here's where the story changes, is that Jesus gives us a different way to look at all of this. It's not about whether we knew it's coming or whether we didn't know it was coming. In fact, actually, Tim kind of said it earlier today when we were worshiping is this, is that Jesus said it wouldn't be easy. He said there's going to be trials. There's going to be things that happen in our lives that kind of make us wonder what, is, what in the heck is going on. But you see, much like Joseph was saving a kingdom from collapse, Jesus was bringing God's kingdom here to earth, a kingdom that would conquer our nightmares, 
a kingdom that would solve every one of our needs. I love what Isaiah 53, 11 through 12 says when it looks at Jesus, and it says this, it says, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied, and because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he has exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and inter- interceded for rebels. See, something that has kind of gotten me going this week is that not so much that this is such a nightmare in terms of, man, what's going on around us, but can we look at this life in terms of not the virus that's infecting us, but the spiritual warfare that's going around us? The fact that we as Christians know that there is so much more going on here than just a pandemic. And Jesus knew that by being willing to go to the cross and go, no, this is way more important than just healing everybody. He went to the point of death. more than just maybe holding on and waiting until the end of seven years like Joseph, but it's going, wait a second, there is a completely different kingdom out there. We're not trying to save our lives. We're trying to figure out how God has put our lives together. You know, much like Joseph, Christ stood before rulers. His power was acknowledged by those in authority. He is exalted after and through all of his humiliation. And most importantly, I love this one. Just like Joseph, Jesus gives hungry people bread. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then he goes on in John 6, 35, he says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus goes on in even John 4, 14, he says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Man, I love those verses because I look at this and I go, Jesus has brought reunion and redemption to all of us to make our lives about something else. It's not about all of these things, about finding the conspiracy that is going on around us or trying to figure out what's really happening. How do I save myself from not getting this disease? And those are all well and wise things to do, but there's something much more. Because what happens when all of the things that we've tried to do to protect ourselves don't work? What happens when we try to protect ourselves in this way and yet we forget about this and this crumbles? We isolate ourselves and so we become lonely. We isolate ourselves and say that nobody really cares about us. 
we hoard and we don't think about anything else. And then guess what? Those things run out and we're just left going, I've got an empty bag. I think Jesus is clearly saying something completely different. And if I might take this a little further, I would like to say that, hey, when trials come our way, it's about really about finding God's way. And, and, I, and I thought about this this week. I said, man, when we maybe have hungry stomachs, but really what Jesus is after is full hearts, is that when we are left with nothing, really it comes down to who is our authority. Matthew 28, 18 says this, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He goes on to say the Great Commission, but really I want to focus on this right now for just a second. If Jesus is who he says he is, then when the rest of everything that we have is stripped away, it becomes about who he is then. It doesn't become about what we've got. It becomes about who he is. In, in, in fact, actually, John 33, 35 just says, hey, the father loved the son so much that he has given him everything into his hands. Ephesians 1.20 goes on, and Paul writes this. He says, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. He's got everything under control, and if that means that Jesus has everything under control and all authority is his, then that means that I want to follow him. I don't have to ask, who is this crazy Joseph person? I, I just need to go, Jesus, because of who he is. And Isaiah, that we see that he's gone to death. He's paid something for us. He's given our life for us. In fact, actually, he gives us great hope in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and this is what he says. He says, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's the whole point is that Jesus promises us that when he rules our lives, that peace that surpasses all understanding rules our lives. That we have hope in him. That ultimately our righteousness is based on him and that's all we really have. And so in the moments of going, what do I do now? Would we spend the time going, I want to be Reunion, we have reunion and redemption through Jesus Christ. And so that's all good and dandy, Seth. What do I do now? What, where do I go? Right? The question is, first, before I get into the rest of this, is who is your authority? Because I know it would seem like, hey, the governor said we can't meet, so obviously he's our authority. Really, it doesn't matter. We are going to find ways to continue meeting as a church, whether we do it online or, or other things that are maybe coming down the road. But right now, we simply go, God, I need you to be our strength. In fact, actually, uh, there's some fun little things when Jesus tells us um, in uh, in Matthew, there's a couple different places, but it's Matthew 13, 44 through 48, and it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, 
and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. The kingdom of heaven is worth our whole entire life savings. And again, it says also that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Would you give everything for one thing? And he goes on to say a little bit more, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up on the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. I want to I focus on that a little bit more because when we look at this idea of authority, there are so many people around us who claim, hey, I, I follow Christ and are horrible examples of following Christ. They get worried, they get fear, they have no peace, they have no hope. Sometimes they bury their head in the sand. In the sand. But if the kingdom of heaven is like what the rest of the people say, man, the first thing I want to say is don't be the bad fish. Let's seek out the kingdom of heaven, let's look for it, let's find it. Let's do whatever we can to be reunited and redeemed by Jesus and with Jesus. And so how do we do that practically? This morning I want to run with you and I want to spend maybe the next five, maybe six minutes looking at something you can do every single day. Jesus has already said this in, uh, in Matthew. He says, hey, how, how then do you pray? How then can we pray in these moments of going, I don't know what's going on. I need to seek the kingdom of God. And I think Jesus has the perfect answer for us to look at, man, I want to live the kingdom of God out. Because I found it. I know that this is the answer. And so we're going to just dive into the Lord's Prayer this morning with each other and the first the very first part of it we all kind of know but I want I want to look at it this way is going this is just kind of the majestic and loftiness of who God is and then we do have to look into what's actually going on in our lives the maybe the mundaneness of it but still the desire for God to reach in and so the very first thing let's read this together Matthew 6 9 through 3 pray like this Jesus says our father in heaven This is where God lives. He doesn't live on earth. He is not bound by time. He's, he is absolutely sovereign and over all of this. And when we say our Father in heaven, it means that God knows what's going on. When we think of heaven, this is what we should be thinking, that God reigns there, that his power is there, that he has ultimate authority and he can meet our needs. And so when we're talking about authority and we're praying this, it means that, guess what? God, you are our God and you are our Father. You are our Father. You take care of us. You know what we need and we trust you. If we start out with that, 
man, the rest of our day looks pretty different. It goes on to say, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Simply put, God, we want to do whatever we can to keep your name holy. We consecrate it. We say that, God, we want you to make it holy. We want you to show the rest of the world that you are holy, that you're greater than we are. Cause your name to be holy, Lord. And whatever is going on, we want you to give us hope. We want you to give us peace. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But Lord, this is your holiness. You are love. You are peace. You are constantly redeeming the world. And so because of that, your kingdom is here, Lord. Your kingdom comes soon. And part of that is Jesus has already said the kingdom is here. But as believers, we're also looking at the kingdom here. But the kingdom to come, that when Jesus comes back for us, God, we want your kingdom to come down. We want people to know redemption and reunion in you. And then, your will be done. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to do whatever it takes. Help us to do your will just like the angels do in heaven. When we focus on those things, the, the things that are going on around us, they don't much matter, do they? We can still have ideas in which to do all of these things, to make God's name holy, to be looking at his kingdom coming down here. We can, when we talk to people, we begin to say, no, God knows what he's doing. We want his kingdom to come, and so we want to be his ambassadors. We want to put ourselves under his authority. And we want to do his will. Because we can do whatever we want. We can plan. We can be those people that said, man, God has asked us to save, to get as much toilet paper as we want. I don't know. I'm just, but when we put ourselves under him, when all those things are gone, it doesn't matter much. Because we can put our hope and our trust in him. But that doesn't mean we still don't need God daily, which brings us to the next section of this whole entire prayer. And it says, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Every single day, would you pray, God, just give us what we need for today for my body, for my mind, for my emotional state. Lord, I just, I just need enough for today. And sometimes we do worry about this because we keep on thinking, what's going to happen months down the road, years down the road? And yes, that's great to think about it, but it cannot control us. God, would you just forgive us our sins of yesterday and today so far? And Lord, would we forgive those? Would we forgive those who have sinned against us? 
start out with forgiveness instead of looking at other people and, and saying what they've done wrong. And the last one I really love on this is lead us not into lead us. Sorry, I'll read this. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Don't let us yield to temptation, Lord, when we feel hopeless, when we're out of peace, when we feel like we're not good enough for you, Lord, would you bring us back? you bring us back into reunion with you and redemption with you when I'm hopeless, when I have no peace, when I feel like I've done everything wrong and I'm not in a good spot. Lord, would you bring me back? Would you be my refuge? I have a feeling that as we would pray this every single day, that when we come to these point of going, God, I, I just want you to be my father and I, and I know that you're holy and I know that you are my God, and I want you to be my authority. It changes the way we deal with other people, doesn't it? It changes the way that maybe we can reach out to other people. It changes the way that when we harbor unforgiveness to, uh, towards other people, in this moment we can have reunion and redemption. There has never been a greater chance for you to call somebody up and go, hey, I just want to talk to you. With everything going on, man, the things that I feel that I've been holding on to just are silly and wrong. Never has there been a greater time for you to actually be one-on-one -on -one with people without having distractions, using the phone, getting on a conference call with them. Maybe even driving and staying in the middle of the road and screaming at them that you forgive them. I don't know. Never has it been easier for you right now as a whole entire family to come together and go, we're just going to pray. Never has it been a time easier to look at what you do have around you and go, hey, how can I give to others? <laughs> it was really funny. I, uh, I was walking through the church this week, and uh, lo and behold, there was a package of toilet paper, like, stuck behind the stage. And so if you need toilet paper, I got some. <laughs> I found masks up there. So we'll be giving those away. Be looking around going, how can I be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem? Do you have people who come to you because they know that you have the answer to what's going on? That you can point them towards the hope that Christ has. That you can point them towards the peace that God offers. But ultimately, it is the understanding that, man, with all of this going on, it makes us go, where have we gone wrong? How has my sin separated me from God? How do I need to be redeemed? Because here's the point. You can try to save yourself all you want, but until we understand that Jesus Christ has died, has suffered, has been in the trial, has been in jail, has died on the cross for us so that his blood covers our sins that separate us from God, will we understand reunion and redemption? God offers us that righteousness. 
I'm going to ask the uh, worship to come up, and we're going to sing our last song together, and it's called Closer. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about that you'll never have reunion and redemption until you first experience eternal life. That when we are looking for hope, there's hope right in front of us. In fact, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. He'll pull it up right top of my head right here. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And how do you live in Christ Jesus? It starts with this, experiencing eternal life. You see, all of us have sinned. If unforgiven, that sin separates us from God for eternity. But God so loved the world that he gave his son so that anyone who believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. I don't, I don't want you to miss this, that Jesus, God in the flesh, came as one of us, modeled a perfect life for us, died because of us, and he rose victorious so that any one of us, by faith in him, could be forgiven of our sins. Given a new life today, our lives given power to live to honor him every day. And one day we'll spend eternity with him. God, that, that's the whole point. The whole point is that not that we can keep things as status quo. The whole point of going, no, we want your kingdom here, and God, you're our authority. And so whatever is going on, God, what have we put ourselves underneath you? And if you haven't done that in this whole process, would you, would you use this song as a time to be able to say, God, I, I want to be closer to you. I want you to be my God instead of me trying to be worried and figuring all of this stuff out. God, I admit that I need reunion and redemption in you. This is our ability to have a chance to go, God, I, I want that. And so as you sing that, man, just tell God what you need. And then I'm going to come and close us. worship this last song together. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.